Hi, I'm Kenna Lenhoff. Hi, I'm Cynthia Sherpet. Welcome to This One Woman. Our monthly variety show at the Hop Leaf in Chicago. It's the fourth Monday of every month, and for each of our shows, our performers are inspired by a famous woman that was chosen by the audience the month before. This month's woman of honor is Bernadette Peters. Isn't it rich? Isn't it queer? It was so much fun to have our This One Woman be Bernadette Peters. It was. And it made me realize there are some movies I need to see because I have not seen her in Into the Woods. And I actually also have never seen The Jerk. I've actually never seen The Jerk either. Oh, really? And um, and the, if you find her um, playing in Into the Woods, you'd have to go to like PBS kind of or YouTube to see the performance of it. Oh, I'll hunt it down. You'll have to like you'll have to hunt it along with her performance in um Sunday in the Park with George. That's oh, another yes. one that you should see. It's really fascinating and great. And you know, like as I said, most of the time what I know of her is when she was in Annie with Carol Burnett. Yes. Which is just love that one. such a fun role for her to play. Um, I mentioned it in the show is that I actually saw her in the pre-Broadway run of The Goodbye Girl with um, Martin Short back mm. in like 92, 93. I went with my old high school, with my high school um, drama club and she walked past us and was like, thank you. Thank you oh so my much gosh. for coming. And then continued walking to her car. One thing that's really interesting about her is that she seems to sort of blur the line between ingenue and character actress, which is yes. unusual. And she does it in a really, I think, interesting way where, especially on stage, some of the roles she plays are just the traditional ingenue musical theater leading lady roles. And then some, like in Annie, are the more quirky, comedic, or character roles. And you, I, I was explaining to someone was asking, oh, who who are you doing this month? And when I was explaining who Bernadette Peters is, that's what I found myself saying. Like, oh, she's sort of part ingenue, part character actor. And that's pretty cool. Most of it, too, would probably be around Annie um, when she went from, like, kind of, like, the, you know, ingenue-esque to character. Because mm. I would say on stage, her most character piece would have been Into the Woods. And then since then has done, you know, like the Mama Rose and the big, bold, you know, people like, um, and Hello Dolly and a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. I just think she's fabulous. She's so fabulous. Like, and she really is, as kids who did theater growing up, she's somebody that everybody knew who she was. Right. Um, and, but also, even if you didn't do theater, 
Like, because I am a little older than Cynthia, as I have mentioned many Just times. Just a wee bit, though. Just a wee bit. But she was definitely part of, like, our culture, um, ski- like, growing up. Like, even though I've never seen The Jerk or Pennies from Heaven, she was definitely part of things. Like, she was hosted Saturday Night Live. Mm. Yeah, know? cool. She did a lot of things. You would see her showing up at different events or, like, a Bob Hope special. And, and I did not realize how old she is because she does look amazing. She looks amazing for us being, she's 71. That's bonkers. Our first performer is Kim Cook. Kim recently relocated back to Chicago from Texas. So I'm really glad that she could come join us in the show. She's a stand-up comedian and you can see her all around Chicago. Here's Kim. Hi guys. So my personal experience with Bernadette Peters was being introduced to her in 1982 in the movie Annie. Yeah, and if anyone is not familiar with the movie, oh my goodness, no, but this movie musical masterpiece, um, it's about a rough and tumble orphan ginger uh, in New York City, played by Aileen Quinn, and the orphanage uh, Annie lives in, it's, you know, there's like a million other uh, little girls, and it's run by the cruel and alcoholic Miss Hannigan, also played by, I don't know if you've highlighted, but Carol Burnett, Um, yeah. We love you, Miss Hannigan, was what she forced uh, the little orphans to say. And the movie was actually my first introduction to the fact that it is important to keep your eye on your drink at all times. (laughs) Yeah, in the hit song, It's a Hard Knock Life, the adorable orphans sing about roofing. (laughs) Miss Hannigan, yeah, make her drink a Mickey Finn. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's pretty bad. Um, and also, it was a fun day, the day I asked my mom to explain it, so she was really appreciative of that at age whatever I was. Um, so, at negative, no, I'm just kidding. Um, so, you guys, I even had the little orphan Annie card game, Leaping Lizards! Yeah. Yeah, that was one of Annie's catchphrases in the movie. And um, fun fact, the actress that played Annie is all grown up. Because that's how time works, (laughs) right? (laughs) And she's in a rockabilly band called Ailing Quinn and the Leapin' Lizards. Yeah! So if you find yourself in Las Vegas on April 20th at the Orleans Hotel, yeah, you too can see this high-octane band that really delivers with foot stomp and groove and tunes and sassy, sexy, melodic vocals. That's according to their website. So, yeah. So one of my fantasies was that I had to play Annie on Broadway. Um, but I also really wanted to play Adelaide from Guys and Dolls. Um, don't you think Bernadette Peters would have made an awesome Adelaide? Do you guys know? Yeah. So in honor of her being, uh, I think, would have been an awesome Adelaide. And then um, if you guys will let me um, live out my childhood fantasy of seeing a show tune in public sober, <laughs> I'm going to sing a portion of Adelaide's Lament, OK? <clears throat> In other words, just from waiting around for the plain little band of gold, a poison can develop a cold. You can spray her wherever you figure the streptococcus guy like. You can give her a shot for whatever she's got, but it just won't work. If she's tired of getting the fish eye from the hotel, like, 
a person can develop a cold. Choo! Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Bucket list check. Um, this was even more exciting than the time I met Mickey Dolenz from the Monkees at Comic-Con. <laughs> Why he was at Comic-Con, I have no idea. But um, now I just have to meet Wonder Woman slash Linda Carter because then I was also obsessed with her when I was little and then my little childhood bucket list to be complete. Um, yeah, and in case you're wondering what my teenage bucket list contained, it was doing some very weird things with several members of New Kids on the Block, but <laughs> back to Bernadette Peters, okay? Um, she was also one of my first introductions to sex appeal, because uh, her character in Annie was Lily St. Regis, and a girlfriend of Carol Burnett's brother Rooster, played by Tim Curry, also awesome. Um, and Lily was all this like blonde hair and makeup and ample bosom, you know, and she was, if you remember the movie, sticking the locket, you know, in all kind of places, and he's broken locket, but, um, so I'm going to give you a synopsis. So Miss Hannigan helps Lily and Rooster to pose as Annie's parents to gain the $50,000 reward offered up by Daddy Warbucks, and Daddy Warbucks, the original sugar daddy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, the song they sing during the plotting is Easy Street, and Bernadette Peters is, she's just all legs, dancing, and then the scene, I don't know if you guys remember, she actually stands on two chairs and does the splits. Like, that is incredible. You guys should watch it if you haven't. Um, and then last, her character is arrested because kidnapping orphans is bad. <laughs> or anyone else. <laughs> the more you know. Do, 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 do. <laughs> So another film that I loved Bernadette Peters in was The Jerk. Um, as we mentioned, yeah, Steve Martin and uh, Bernadette were together for a few years, and he wrote that role specifically for her. And um, the, yeah, so still the film The Jerk, um, still one of the, you know, most recognized, funniest movies. And um, it was actually based on Steve Martin's stand-up routine. It wasn't always easy for me. I was born a poor black child. <laughs> yes. Steve Martin, the man that personifies snow. Um, <laughs> anywho, uh, my favorite scene in the movie was of them walking together on the beach, uh, singing Tonight You Belong to Me. Yes, love it. So Steve Martin plays the ukulele, and then Bernadette rocks out on the cornet. Uh, pretty cool. And then, as we discussed, also learned that she posed in Playboy, but I guess it was a very tasteful uh, version. And then again, I just, I'm a huge dog lover, and I love that her pet project uh, is Broadway Barks. Yeah, an annual dog adoption event she founded with, again, Mary Tyler Moore, and <laughs> it benefits animal shelters throughout New York. So yay for Bernadette! Thanks, guys. <laughs> Our next performer is Kelsey Buckley. Kelsey is an, an improviser, an actor, and sometimes, like at our show, a solo performer. You're going to enjoy her. Here's Kelsey. Oh, guys, I'm sorry. Um, I've actually been having like a really hard time lately. Um, is this a safe space? Can I like, can I get real? Okay, thank you. I'm having like a really hard time with my boyfriend. Um, he's a he's a Bernie bro. Um, <laughs> So, you know, he's like white, college educated, working class, listens to a lot of podcasts and like loves musical theater, right? We all know this stereotype. Um, 
And so he's been like spending like a lot of time like online, like on broadwayworld.com, like getting into arguments on the forums, um, and like posting memes about like how Marissa Jarrett Winokur like shouldn't have won Best Actress in a Musical at the Tonys for her turn as Tracy Turnblad in Hairspray back in 2003. And it's like, I know, but like, that already happened, you know? <laughs> so like, we need to move past it. Um, but he's like really excited about the upcoming Tonys and so am I, like, okay, like, I like Bernie too, I do. But he's like obsessed with Bernie, you know? And it's like, it's like too much, it's like excessive. Um, and you know, it's to the point where like, like he he's in love with Bernie. He's, he's in love with Bernadette Peters. <laughs> And it's like really threatening to me, you know? like it like makes me insecure. Um, and so, I'm sorry, it's like really hard for me. Um, so I, I wrote a song um, about how it feels to uh, have a boyfriend who's a Bernie bro, uh, who's in love with Bernadette Peters. And um, I, uh, I'm gonna sing it for you. So, so, so Bernie, Bernadette, Peters, Mrs. Peters, if you're uh, here listening, um, this song is for you. <sighs> okay, I'm just like really emotional, so this is gonna be like. <sighs> it's gonna be like really hard for me. Um, but like, I really appreciate you guys like holding this space for me. <sighs> okay. okay. But, nope, I can't. Okay, all right. Um, whew, all right. Take my man. Please don't take him just because you can. Your beauty is beyond compare with flaming locks of auburn hair, with ivory skin and eyes like cocoa beans. Your smile is like a breath of spring, your voice is soft like summer rain, and I cannot compare. With you, Bernie. He talks about you in his sleep. There's nothing I can do to keep from crying when he calls your name, Bernie. And I can easily understand how you could easily take my man, but you don't know what he means to me, Bernie. Oh, I'm so scared of this mic. Bernie, 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 Bernie. I'm begging of you, please don't take my mouth. Take him just because you can. You could have your choice of men, but I could never love again. He's the only one for me, Bernie. Had to have this talk with you. My happiness depends on you. Whatever you decide to do, Bernie. Bernie, sing along, Bernie. Bernie, Bernie. I'm begging of you, please. Don't take my mail. Bernie, 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 Bernie. Please don't take him, even though you can. Bernard, Bernard, Bernard.
so much better, guys. Thank you so much. Thanks. I really appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. Our next performer is Tom Harrison. Tom is the host and producer of The Skewer, a live lit show that you can see the first Wednesday of each month at Cafe Mustache here in Chicago. And it's also a podcast. So if you miss a show, you can listen to it. Here's Tom. How are y'all doing, everybody? Are you doing good? Come on. That's what I like. All right. So when Kenna told me about this show in December, my immediate thought was, one thing that definitely won't happen is that I'll have no idea who the one woman is. And folks, no. But I'm not going to be stopped just because I never heard of Bernadette Peters. Obviously, this is a woman of undeniable genius and talent. Just a glance at her, what is it, Wikipedia page. <laughs> shows that she is a performer beyond reproach. Now, we all know that there's more pop culture being produced than a human being can consume in their lifetime. No, one, no one's going to be without their blind spots. This is something we all need to accept. But I was excited to fill one of mine in and experience Bernadette Peters' work enriching my dumb brain with some fucking culture <laughs> instead of the weird slurry I usually fill it with. <laughs> well, friends, turns out the only way to truly experience her most important work is to be rich at specific times in New York in the past. <laughs> because, as I read through her Wikipedia page, I was shocked and disturbed to discover that she is a theater person. <laughs> Friends, I was forced to read words like Drama Desk Award and Broadway Revival. What is a drama desk? Whose desk is it? I was not prepared for this assault. This whole show is theater kid propaganda. I realize that as a live lit person, I cannot, in good conscience, throw shade on theater kids. So know that it is with cloudy conscience that I read the rest of this piece. <laughs> I will never be a theater kid. You will never snare me with your theater tricks. I will never watch Cats. You can't make me. Please do not make me. <laughs> And it's not like I'm one of those Bernard brothers <laughs> who thinks that musical theater's for nerds. I love, I fucking love musical movies because I do not have to go to New York in the past to see them. <laughs> and like, I'm not unreasonable. I like Hamilton. I'll fucking give you that one for free. <laughs> but I will not. I simply refuse to learn about Stephen Sondheim. No, no, boo. I'm not doing this for free. If I have to become a theater kid, y'all are gonna have to learn about anime, and folks, you do not want to get me started. I can assure you that that last joke is actually true, because in my first draft of this, I included right here, a bunch of jokes about Nen. Don't know what Nen is? 
that's why I cut them. <laughs> I'm not sure what it is about the theater kid vibe that I don't gel with. By all accounts, I should be all in on it. I am an artistic, quivering lad who prances with the fey folk through the meadows going tra-loo, tra-la. I wrote short stories about tortured young writers in high school. <laughs> I like performing. I'm basically already there. As far as I can tell, the dissonance comes from it being an art form that requires you to be at a specific place, usually New York, at a specific time, usually in the past. <laughs> But again, this isn't exactly a cogent criticism from a live lit person, although I do hear, I've heard a rumor that some of the better shows are recorded and released as podcasts. But to be honest, I'm not super sure that I need a reason. Like, everyone has their blind spots, like I said, and I could spend 24 hours a day for the rest of my life trying to fill them all in, and I would not come close. I've already wasted a ton of my life trying to convince myself that actually, yes, I do like something, because I feel like it's important that I should. Like, I remember in high school, I tore through any comedy classic that I would see venerated on the internet. I wanted to know it all and understand it all. Being the internet, it wasn't a surprise that a lot of the comedy I was directed to was by old white men. <laughs> but I thought, no, 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 I have to like this. This is the kind of person I'm trying to be. This is what good comedy is. So not liking it makes me stupid. Here's where you're going to hear some conflicting opinions about the film The Jerk. <laughs> <laughs> One example of this that stuck with me was The Jerk, Steve Martin's debut movie released when he was the hottest stand-up comic in the country, arguably the hottest stand-up comic ever. In The Jerk, Martin plays a weird baby man who constantly acts in an irritating way and is extremely stupid. <laughs> His capering is tiresome to me, and his voice is a big nightmare. <laughs> the opening joke is, I was born a poor black child, which, ha ha, get it? It is funny, because he's not black, he is white, ha ha ha. <laughs> his, character his character spends the entire runtime of the film just kind of being around and acting in a way that sucks to see. <laughs> It's a demoralizing spectacle, to be sure. I spent years telling myself that you better fucking like the jerk, idiot. I'd rewatch it again and again and be like, it's a comedy classic, laugh, you dumb bitch. But eventually, I matured and I realized, hey, I don't have to like the thing. It doesn't make my identity go away. I mentioned the jerk in particular because I recently found out that it also stars, who else? but Bernadette Peters. She plays Steve Martin's love interest, an extremely thankless role, considering her counterpart is man-child dope who is barely literate. <laughs> her best scene is a frankly gorgeous duet of You Belong to Me on a beach with Martin. Rewatching the scene today, it's a goddamned crime that her talent was put into a fucking movie like that. <laughs> Doubly so, when in the context of the film, that scene comes out of nowhere, drastically changes the overall pacing and tone of the movie, and then immediately abandons it, <laughs> making the overall impression less one of admiration of the beauty of the song and the talent of the performers, and more confusion and irritation. 
It's, it smacks of nothing so much as Steve Martin trying to prove that he can sing and also she's there. It feels, it feels like such a fucking injustice that the one window into the staggering talent of Bernadette Peters that I had was through this fucking movie. Maybe I'd have been better off not being a comedy person. Maybe I should have been a theater person. But I will never be a theater person. I live in a city where two-thirds of the year it's cold. And leaving the house is a thing I just won't do. But for others, it's to your life. And Bernadette Teeters is one of the best. Looks like I got unlucky with my blind spots this time. Also, folks, have you seen how she fucking looks? She's goddamn 70 years old. I don't know if she's had any work done, but even if, it still wouldn't make sense. It's wizard shit. Anyway, thank you. <laughs>done this month well i have to really think about it this month because you know some sometimes things jump out at me immediately like this is a very portland thing i had to sort of think about it but then i realized i have not done my state or federal taxes yet that's a problem for another day but i did pay my portland city arts tax because there's a city tax that goes specifically to arts, education, and programming. And it's not very much, but, you know, every dollar for art is a valuable dollar. So I thought that was pretty Portland because I, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't remember Chicago having a city arts tax. I mean, I guess we can Google it and find out if there's an art tax in Chicago, but I don't think that we have one. But that seems very Portland. I guess this was probably the most Chicago thing I've done. Um is that Jenny was came into town um, for her mom's 75th birthday. So I met her and Greg um, for breakfast. And then after we met for breakfast, we kind of we just went to like like a small store up on Montrose called Hazel. Oh, I love that store. It's a great store, isn't it? It's so good. And I buy then, a lot of gifts there. Oh, I love it so much because she needed to buy like a gift. And so after we were leaving there, they were going to go to the MCA, the Museum of Contemporary Art. And yeah. I was like, and they asked me if I wanted to go. And I said, I don't know if I really want to go to a museum today. But as we were leaving there, I said, hey, we're also really close to a lot of breweries. Do you want to go to one of the um, craft breweries in this area? So we walked over to Dovetail Brewery and had some beer. And then after that, we walked to the lakefront and walked along the lake and basically ate pizza on the lakefront because it was one of the nice, nicer days. It was like 35 mm. and walked along Lake Michigan for a while. And so that was really kind of nice and great to be out there in the wintertime. Um, 
because yeah, it had been like so cold really, for a while. You ticked off. You ticked a lot of boxes of good things to do in Chicago that day. I did. I was like just saying to Neil, I'm like, I have done nothing really Chicago like focus. And I said, oh, wait, that was totally a Chicago focus day. It's just doing like having a good time. And it was basically we hadn't even like planned any of the stuff we were doing because they had to meet um, Greg's cousin for dinner that night. And then she was leaving the next day for the suburbs for her mom's 75th birthday weekend. And after we hung out on the lakefront, then we went up to Andersonville and went to Kopi and had tea. So oh it was gosh. really a very Chicago north side kind of day. Yeah, that's so. Super yeah, fun. I guess that was my most Chicago thing. Uh, besides that, um, last week I was also an election judge because um, we just had our municipal ele- election, and that's, that's right. a long day. Let me tell you, I did it at um, actually in my own precinct and um, ward. I had to be there at five a.m. and I didn't get home to like nine twenty that oh, yeah, day that because is a long I was day. the only election judge who had a car. So then we had to also go to the transfer spot after the election. But it was really interesting because it's just interesting in general. And when they fed us throughout the day, which I was like, who decides how to feed the judges? You know, and then watching people coming in and out. and um, Yeah, I bet you had other, a lot of good, like, people watching and meeting interesting people and feeling oh, like was, you got to contribute to the the whole democratic process uh, yeah. experience. It was really interesting because I was the one who handed out the I voted thing cards. Oh, that's the best So my job was pretty, like, not cards, but an I voted bracelet. So my job was the easiest of just having them, like, make sure they knew how to place the the ballot into the, the paper ballot into the machine. Yeah. Getting the sleeve afterwards, thanking them and giving them a, you know, a bracelet, you know, like the paper bracelets. I'm a pro-election judge yeah. person. Who knew that having a car in the city meant also that you're in charge of the transfer of all the paper information? <laughs> Me. Next up, we have Eunice Jarrett, and we always learn something from Eunice, not only because she's a former school teacher, but also because she does her research, she has great things to say, and you can't help but enjoy her every time. Here is Eunice Jarrett. Thank you very much. Now, um, you're going to get the NPR version of of Bernadette Peters, and I want you to know that I understand this is supposed to be about Bernadette Peters, but um, I was conflicted because this is Black History Month. 40,320 minutes. (laughs) That's all we get for Black History Month. (laughs) 40,320 minutes. 25 days are almost gone when we'll be done. Okay, thank you again. (laughs) But I thank you all for coming and I'm gonna be like the other people, I'm gonna keep it real. Um, I agreed to do this show before I knew who this one woman would be. And when Kenneth said Bernadette Peters, I said, Really? 
<laughs> I mean, she's five years older than me, okay? But she's still feisty, she's sexually provocative, she's got amazing vocal range and power. I mean, she's got comedic chops, she's got great timing, she's smart, she's mature, but she's white. This is Black History Month. <laughs> but, it, but it's okay because I spoke to Kenna and I just told her I know that this one woman has celebrated black women during white history months. <laughs> but since we are celebrating a white woman during black history month, it may as well be Bernadette Peters. I mean, when I told my folks that I was researching Bernadette, my son said, Mom, she was the voice of Rita from the Animaniacs. And then he said, he's a writer, right? He said, she was also the witch from In the Woods. Well, I was talking to my niece in Albuquerque and I told her what I was researching. And she said, oh, I love her. Have you seen Pennies from Heaven? And then my guy friend in DC said, oh girl, you know she was in The Jerk. <laughs> So, I mean, black people were naming all the stuff she was in. It seemed like she had more name recognition than Kamala Harris. <laughs> so if I have to celebrate a white woman during Black History Month, it may as well be Bernadette Peters. I mean, she's not black. I know, I said I'm trying to, I'm trying to let it go. <laughs> But she has an old school name like mine. I mean, I'm Eunice, she's Bernadette. Both names are captivating, right? <laughs> the Four Tops wrote a song about Bernadette in 1967, and it went to number four on the Billboard chart. So I Googled to see if there was a song about Eunice. I found one. It was called, Hey Eunice, by the Pickets. And it had two views, and one of them was mine. <laughs> I'm not hating, I'm just saying. Feel free to Google it and give it a few more views. Now this one woman, the This One Woman website said that Bernadette was a triple threat. You know, people say if you can sing, dance, and act, you're a triple threat. They say if you do Broadway, TV, and the big screen, you're a triple threat. Well, I said, girl, you're old, still alive, and people will pay to see you that. <laughs> is a triple threat. Now, watching Bernadette work through her character's issues, that was pretty entertaining but I am glad to have agreement that what wasn't entertaining so much was reviewing the jerk. As you have heard, the premise was Steve Martin's character, Nathan, was starting off saying that he was raised as a poor black child, and then he dragged us through his journey to discover his whiteness. Well, Bernadette played his girlfriend, Marie, and 
somehow I just imagined that she was the voice of reason that told Steve Martin, don't do the black face. <laughs> I mean, it's almost like I could hear that melodic voice saying, step away from the shoe polish, I hear it's hard to get off. <laughs> well, I am so glad that she was in this movie because she was the highlight for me. I mean, I loved the beach scene. I mean, I normally wouldn't watch someone giving a blowjob, but I could tell she had done it before. <laughs> And I was impressed the way she played that coronet in the middle of the beach. <laughs> Thank you for laughing. <laughs> okay, I always do my research for this show, but this time I was a little conflicted because I said Bernadette had an extensive resume and I was feeling a little stingy about my Black History Month time. So once again in the movie The Jerk, Steve Martin's character said that he was raised a poor black child. Well, I was raised a middle-class white child. Okay, my mother cleaned houses for white people before black women were allowed to have real jobs. And um, anything the white kids had, my mother wanted her kids to have. So the white kids had books, she bought us books. White kids had board games. She bought us board games. The white kids had symphony and theater. So my mother bought us records. <laughs> Big 33 and the thirds. But I listened to those Broadway records and that's why I can stand here now and tell you about a character called Mama Rose who was from Gypsy and Bernadette played Mama Rose. But to me, Mama Rose was kind of like a deranged Martin Luther King. <laughs> because she kept saying, I had a dream. I had a dream. And she was determined to make that dream happen by any means necessary. And that was not Martin. Okay. All right, she's no Harriet Tubman. <laughs> but, she, but she had an amazing body of work. So I think that she would appreciate these lyrics that almost fit the four top song, Bernadette. <laughs> I'm not singing it, I'm just gonna say it. Bernadette, da 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 da, people are searching for the kind of love that you possess. And when I speak of you, I see envy in men's eyes and I'm well aware of what's on their mind. They wonder how you could love the jerk. <laughs> they wonder how being that mean stepmother worked. Mozart in the jungle was just keeping it real. You're five foot six when you wear three inch heels. Hey, Bernadette, I hope girl, you always get your way. And Bernadette, you taught me, I do Black History Month every day. <laughs>
Lindsay is a writer, performer, nonprofit person who also hosts a podcast on pop culture and coping called I'll Be There For You. Here's Lindsay. I draw my strength in 2019 from Bernadette Peters. Specifically, one single moment from one Bernadette Peters performance as the witch in the 1991 televised production of Into the Woods. In a career of iconic performances, this is the iconiciest. Peaking with arguably the greatest exit number in Broadway history last midnight. Racked by trauma and fury at the destruction around them, the fairy tale heroes of Into the Woods have lost spouses and loved ones and livelihoods. They point fingers wildly at each other and finally at the witch. They are frenzied and desperate, but Bernadette, as the witch, who has undergone the sudden and terrible trauma of losing her own daughter, is composed and incisive as she delivers her rebuttal. Her presence is indelible, serving Stevie Nicks' realness with big, flowy, late 80s hair and a cape to match. But it's the delicious way she delivers her iconic fuck you farewell, letting her rage and grief slow burn until it peaks with an ear-splitting scream. Bernadette delights in curling around every word to strike fear into the hearts of our fairy tale heroes, elongating every sickening boom Wrapping her fingers into a white knuckle fist. And then as Cinderella and Little Red and the baker plead with her, she delivers those three words, so subtle, so razor sharp, with a perfect withering stare. The words that haunt me in Bernadette's perfect tone every time I am faced with an ethical dilemma or am hesitant to act on my conscience. You're so nice. Can't you feel the power of that burn, that, feel it singeing your gut? And when the grand high witch herself says it, all while looking brooding and regal, perfectly quaffed and fully over it, you submit almost gleefully, like a teen who's just been told off on Instagram by their favorite celebrity. <laughs> yes, OMG, drag me mom, yes. <laughs> You're so nice is more than a mere drag. It is an urgent indictment. These words carry more weight now, I think, than when James Lappin and Stephen Sondheim wrote them and Bernadette first sang them in the late 1980s. What many people in this country, this world, have known for a long time, and quite a few of us have had thrust into stark relief since November of 2016, is that America is full of people who, like Little Red and Cinderella and Jack and the Baker, are nice. Nice people fail to recognize their own complicity in the horrors around them, flinging blame and magic beans at those people over there, failing to see the grief, their grief and trauma too. Bernadette as the witch stares the trembling four down, tall arms crossed, sneering and dragging her subjects fuller, further, twisting the knife. You're not good, you're not bad, you're just nice. <laughs> nice people are always sweet to you and ask about how your kids are doing and seem genuinely interested, but act shitty and dismissive to retail employees. <laughs> nice, <clears throat> nice people volunteer at their local... Thank you. I really hope everyone's okay. <laughs> 
Nice people volunteer at their local soup kitchen every Thanksgiving, but will call the police on a homeless person for just existing. Nice people love that adorable Jonathan on Queer Eye, but will elevate a man who would rather have a dead child than a gay or trans one to the second highest office in the country. Nice people will shout Black Lives Matter into the void of social media all day long, but refuse to challenge their granddad's racist jokes for fear of ruining family dinner. Nice people invite smirking MAGA hat wearing teens who taunt native elders onto their morning talk show to tell their sides of the stories. Savannah Guthrie, what's good? <laughs> nice people are all over this country, this world, continuing to be nice and demand civility when the world demands something bigger and braver. The witch may be speaking to our childhood stories and their failures of responsibility, but really she's speaking to all of us, demanding of us to be someone more, to be accountable to the effect we have on others. The witch knows better than to demand a fair, good faith fight from wanton, self-interested destruction. To recognize our role in rousing the vengeful giants stomping about the landscape, crushing people we love under their weight through our inaction or our self-interest. Had to get your prince, had to get your cow, she spits, anyway it doesn't matter now. She's right and she knows it, demanding us to be like her, to be not be nice but be right. The witch's fury builds until she, empty of her magic beans and resigned to an ancestral curse, vanishes in a cloud of smoke and a ringing shriek. When the smoke clears, the baker and friends are left to acknowledge their responsibilities and learn from their mistakes, and at long last, they do. Giants are slain, countrysides rebuilt, loved ones mourned, regrets had. And perhaps none of that could have happened had Bernadette not served them with righteous anger and icy glares with that delicious, you're so nice. They would have kept on heaping blame on the witch, throwing her under the proverbial bus or giant's foot when things got too fucking real. Last Midnight sets up a choice. We can slough the blame on the other. We can look and see perfect hair and enviable scoffs and not see the full humanity of a mother who's lost a kid. We can ignore the warnings no matter how clever or musically rendered. We can call for civility and demand be, be spared for comfort. We can beg the world to fight fair. We can demand niceness. Or we can hold ourselves accountable and do the fucking work. We can curse in the face of evil and acknowledge the complexities of doing and receiving harm and show courage without thinking about what this means for the pair of lanky teens in a cow suit off stage. <laughs> we can be Bernadette Peters in this moment, you guys. Let her spirit guide you in whatever uncertainty and doom 2019 brings. Maybe we can't have the immaculate late 80s perm situation or fit comfortably in what appears to be a brocade corset. Maybe we can't deliver a withering Sondheim quip or a thundering exit number with her gravitas, but we can embody the spirit that Last Midnight so urgently requires. We can accept this as more than a dragging. We can learn from our time in the woods. We can shake our fingers in the face of all the nice people, stand on the side of truth and declare, I'm the witch, you're the world. Thank you. <laughs> Our final performer is Jan Slavin. Jan is the host and producer of High Fiber Comedy. Here's Jan. I'm just a Broadway baby Walking off my tired feet Pounding 42nd Street To be in a show Oh, Broadway baby 
learning how to sing and dance waiting for my one big chance to be in a show I'd like to be on a marquee with twinkling lights, a spark to pierce the dark from Battery Park to Washington Heights someday, maybe. All my dreams will be repaid. Say I'd even play the maid to be in a show. The sun comes up, I think about you, the coffee cup, I think about you, I want you so, all of you, it's like I'm losing my mind. All afternoon, doing every little chore, the thought of you stays bright. Sometimes I stand in the middle of the floor, not going left, not going right. You could drive a person crazy. You could drive a person mad. Doo -doo 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 -doo. First you make a person hazy. So a person could be hey. Then you leave a person hanging sadly outside your door, which can only make a person gladly want you even more. I could understand a person if it's not a person's bag. I could understand a person if that person was a drag. But worse than that, a person that titillates a person and then leaves her flat is crazy. He's a troubled person. He's a super crazy person himself. I'm quick on the trigger with targets not much bigger than a something I'm number one. But I lose all my luster when with a Bronco Buster. Oh, you can't get a man with a gun. Believe me, I've tried it. When I'm running cattle with someone else's cattle, you'll have steak when the job was done. But if I kill the Oh, this is such a cute song. Murder, oh, you can't get a man with a gun. Everyone. With a gun, with a gun. No, you can't get a man with a gun. Curtain up. Light the lights. We've got nothing to hit but the heights. You'll be swell, you'll be great. Honey, everything's coming up roses. Clear the decks, clear the tracks. You've got nothing to do but relax. Blow a kiss, take a bow. 
honey, everything's coming up roses. Now's our inning. Stand the world on its end. Stand it spinning. That'll be just the beginning. Tony Award, 1986. <laughs> I have never felt like this. For once, I'm lost for words. Your smile has really thrown me. Let me be serious for a minute. Now, no matter where I am, no matter what I do, I see your face appearing like an unexpected song. Thank you. An unexpected song that only we are hearing. I don't know what's going on. I never thought I'd find the kind of love you've shown me. Thank you. You know, I just want to say one thing uh, more about Bernadette. She's exactly a year older than I am. And I'm not sure how I feel about that. It was last month, New Year's Day, but... Oh, I couldn't. I couldn't. But I got a lot to live up to, so... Anyway, thanks, everybody. We mentioned this when we did... Um, I had our Meryl Street podcast is that Bernadette Peters originated the role of the witch, which Meryl Streep played in the movie version That's of right. Into the Woods. Next month, we're doing Ethel Merman, who originated the role of Mama Rose in the musical Gypsy, <gasps> and Bernadette Peters was in the 2003 revival of Gypsy. It's all a giant board of things connected with red yarn. It really is this time around. Like everything's connected with our This One Woman so far in our 2019 season. Let's see how long we can keep that streak up. So we'll see what happens. She was who um, was selected out of our jar of women, our jar full of women, for our theme of big, bold, and beautiful. Oh, Cynthia, I should tell you this. I know um, we're supposed to do our closing right now. I forgot to tell you how um, Bernadette Peters met Steve Martin. How did my they Google meet? research. At, they were both on Kenny Rogers' celebrity softball team. Oh, that is the best thing I've ever heard. I know. I'm sorry. I just had to mention that. I was like, how did I forget to tell you? All right, I'm trying to picture have Steve Martin place. playing softball, and I'm wondering, is his lankiness an asset or a detriment? I also was wondering, like, all, both of all of them. I'm like... I would not picture Kenny Rogers as a good softball player. But remember, the last time I saw him, 
was when he came to Ravinia, and I was just so worried about the poor man. <laughs> Come to this, like, as he walked on stage, I was like, this is the saddest concert I've ever been to. I'm like, he's barely holding on. And then, you know, two weeks later, I saw Dolly, and Dolly Parton was amazing. Amazing. Um, yes, but maybe that's why his knees are so bad for Kenny Rogers. Maybe he played too much celebrity softball. Yeah. But anyhow, next month... We're doing um, Ethel Merman. We are looking forward to it and looking forward to sharing it with you all via the podcast. Thanks for listening to this month's episode. Make sure to like us and subscribe to us wherever you hear your podcasts. Also, like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram because I just started using it. (laughs) Yay. This was great. Fun. All right. Rock on. This One Woman was created and produced by Kenna Linoff and Cynthia Sherpetz, who also hosted and wrote this podcast. Music for This One Woman podcast was written and performed by John Steinmeier. The This One Woman podcast was produced by myself, Neil Arsenti. We'll see you next month.